Uh, we're going to be talking today about overcoming temptation. Isn't that crazy? I'm sitting here wondering if this whole addiction thing fits, and I'm like, what are you preaching on, dummy? Um, it actually does fit. And uh, so we're going to talk about overcoming temptation, and, and you know, through the years we, we've talked about things like this, but I've just been reminded in this last um, season of how much stuff comes at us every day. In the world we live in, we're, we always, we've always, listen, since the beginning, there's always been stuff. But there's just an onslaught of temptation out there. And, and not just for us, for our kids. There's stuff that's just right in their face, whether they're looking for it or not. There's all kinds of stuff that we just have to help even teach our kids. How do we overcome those places in our life sometimes where our flesh would rise up and, or, or, or we would desire something that's not quite what God has for us. It doesn't always have to be a sinful thing, but just, you know, desiring something different than what God has for us. And so as we talk about that, and as I was going through that and looking even this last season of, you know, the last several months and just seeing all the stuff that's out there and how people are just, Fall and pray to all kinds of stuff that we have to be on guard. You know, the Bible says to be self-controlled and alert. Be on guard. You have an enemy, you know, and he's going to come at you. And you have a flesh that you still have to put under submission to your spirit. You have to know, listen, I'm, flesh isn't going to lead me. You know, uh, Patty and I were at Meg's softball tournament up in Shelby yesterday. Um, and the game before our game, we were getting ready to play in uh, – in the, in the game, and we had to wait for the teams that were playing on the field, and we're sitting there watching, and all of a sudden, there's all this yelling, and coaches are coming out. One coach is like, shut up, and the other coach is like, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, seriously? I just want to watch a game, and now i got to, you know, we're going to have to referee. We're going to have to break this fight up. I mean, it was getting bad. Even, even one of the girls on the team was going towards the other dugout with a helmet and a bat. I mean, it was, it was bad, you know, and, and – I was, I was, like, amazed. And, our, and our, te- our team is all sitting right there, and we're just, like, watching, like, what's going to happen. And the umpires did a good job. They got in there, and they settled everything down. And, uh, and then it was funny because after the game, the umpire came up to us. Our team was all sitting around getting ready, and the umpire said, hey, y'all aren't going to be like that, are you? And uh, one lady on the team said, no, we, we have a pastor with us. And I was like, but what that means is I better be on my best behavior because everybody knows I'm a pastor. But I was just watching how just pride and flesh, all that, it was just, it was so real. And it's, you know what, and no one was really like, oh, my goodness, can you believe that? Because it's so much in the world today that it's not even a shock that there's almost a big fight on the softball field. And so I just thought, you know what, it's another reason that we have to remind them we can't, we can't walk by the flesh. We, we just can't, we can't do that because that's when we, we fall into temptation and we struggle. So let's look a little bit about temptation. First of all, let me tell you this, temptation does not come from God. So let's look at the scripture. Look at James chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them. And we'll come back to that verse in a few minutes. Remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. 
And that's the thing, too, that we have to remember. God is not tempting you to do wrong. I wouldn't do that to my kids, you know, and God doesn't do that. So then it goes on to tell us where temptation comes from. Look at verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and sin is allowed to grow. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. In other words, so temptation starts, there's a temptation that starts with a desire. Okay, we all, listen, let's just be, let's be really real here for a second. We all have flesh. There are going to be times if someone hurts you that you're going to have a temptation to hurt back. All right? Anyone never, ever had that? Because we'll pray for you right now. Because you lie. Um, but... There, so it's not that you're bad, it's, not, it's just this part of you that if we don't get it under control and, and recognize it, there is that part where that desire to get even flares up. And what the Bible says, it's that desire is where the temptation comes from. The temptation to do something or say something harmful or hurtful is from your own desire. It's not from God. It's from your flesh. And that desire if you let it, it'll give birth to sin. It'll, it'll cause you to act. And that's, that's the kind of things where you have to recognize. If you really want to get to understand about temptation, you realize that temptation comes from your desires where it starts. So it's not, listen, you're not, it's not a sin to be tempted. We all have temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. But that's when you have to respond. How do I respond to this temptation? And if you respond the correct way, but if you respond the other way, given into your desire, then you give birth to sin. And sin ultimately will lead to death. And that's, so that's how we got to understand it doesn't come from God. It's actually something that comes from us and our desires. All right? Now, listen to this. Your temptation is never too much for you to handle. All right? Look at the scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. So here's the thing about God. He's saying, listen, there is no temptation that you can't handle because he will always show you a way out. Always. So therefore, we have to be honest and say, all right, is it true to say it was just too much? Just the temptation was too strong, I couldn't help it. That's technically, according to the word, that's not true. It may have been strong, and you may have had a weak moment, but you gave in. Because God never gives you more than you can handle, and he'll always provide a way out. He'll always help you. And that's how you need to know, even if you've been free of an addiction or something, you, you don't know that temptation is going to come to you. And when it does, remember, God will provide a way out for you because he's faithful. And, he sa- and it says it up in the beginning, God is faithful. God is faithful. So we have to know that that temptation, when it comes, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make it. Now listen to this next statement, which contradicts the first one. And I know, but just follow me because I thought it was fun to say it this way. 
Your temptation is too much for you to handle. In other words, there's one that says, you know, he'll never give you more than you can handle. But then realizing temptation is too much for you to handle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, in insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles, because when I'm weak, I'm strong. So the reason I said it that way is for you to remember, listen, it is more for you on your own. See, God will never let you have anything that you can't handle because he says, I'll always provide a way out. But if you take God out of the scene, you can't do it. And that's why he's reminded, Paul's reminding us here, look, he's boasting about the fact that in his weakness is when God's strength is perfect. So these places you have, these, these things where it's, it, you're tempted, and, and even weak to try to figure out, I don't know if I can make this decision and not act this way or not do this or not say this, then this is what you need to recognize. You absolutely, on your own, cannot. And when you come to grips with that and say, the only way I can is if I depend on his strength. In other words, you're saying, My, I'm, I'm glad to know now that I'm weak because now the pressure doesn't fall on me. Now I get to lean in on someone else's strength. And because I know God is strong, his strength will be perfect in my moment of weakness. That's how when you begin to recognize that the temptation is, is we, can't, we won't be tempted more we can handle, but at the same time we've got to recognize on our own it's too much for us to handle. Both of those are saying God will help us. He's faithful. He'll provide a way out. Now there's some things in Scripture I want to talk to you about as far as different scriptures that help us know how we walk through overcoming temptation. Because the Bible is very clear that we are more than conquerors and that we can walk through temptation. We can face it and we can overcome it. Um, But it's going to be only through the power of God and through the Spirit of God in our life. So one of the first ways, and there's a lot of different scriptures, but we'll just hit a couple of them, is to avoid as much as you can on temptation. So let's say you struggle with alcohol, you know, as far as it controlling your life. Then you need to avoid those places the best that you can so don't even put yourself in a place to be tempted. Right? So especially as, as teaching my kids as they grow up, you know, if there's, you know, they get invited to parties or do whatever, I'm like, listen, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be tempted to do anything that you know you shouldn't do. Um, so, so we try to encourage each other and talk to each other in, in ways to say, look, let's, you know, flee the appearance. Do everything you can to not put yourself in situations where you could, you could stumble and fall. And that's, that's one thing as far as just avoid. Look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Run from sexual sin. You remember when uh, um, Joseph uh, in Genesis uh, 39, 40, 42, 43, somewhere around there, one of those chapters. He's um, Potiphar, he's with Potiphar, he's a servant of Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife um, kind of starts putting the moves on him. And what he did is instead of saying, oh, no, uh-uh, no, no, we shouldn't do that. You know, Potiphar's not here. I just, I'm just here to do a job. I'm just working. I just, just leave me alone. No, you know what he did? He ran. He's like, I'm out. I'm not even going to stay here. He ran from that temptation. I mean, just gone. So in other words, he's saying, look, why put myself in a place to try to fight this and fight this? What if I just go and get out of that whole situation? 
And that's what he did. So it says to just flee it, run from it. Here's another scripture, 2 Timothy 2.22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, in other words, saying run from the stuff that would, would, would stimulate those desires that you have, whether they're to do something, to say something, to watch something. I'm, this, is, this is big picture, whatever it is. Run from it, and then instead of going to the direction of that stuff, run from it and pursue something different. And that's why sometimes if you tell someone, hey, don't do that, sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you say instead of the way to not do that is by doing something else. So for me, if, if let's say that this is, my, this is a struggle I have, and then on this side of the stage is something that, you know, I, I know I, God wants for me, then I don't need to turn this way and fight this thing all the time that I'm struggling with. You're going to find that instead of cer- turning here and focusing on all this temptation and all this stuff, and I'm just trying to stay here and fight this, instead, if I just pursue this and pursue what God has for me and walk in the direction that God has for me, then what I find out is as I'm pursuing, I'm actually getting further away from that. So instead of sitting over in this trying to feel like, how do I overcome this temptation? And we do that a lot. We'll sit here and just say, okay, how do I do this? Or oh, now I'm facing this, now I'm facing this. It says instead of, you know, instead of doing that, instead of just sitting there trying to fight it, run from it and pursue what's good. That's why the Bible says when you, if you want to know how to defeat the enemy, you submit to God. If you go to God, you just resist the devil. How do we, how do we fight the flesh? We'll read it, Galatians 5, 16. Walk by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you go the other way. You pursue the Spirit, you don't, you don't struggle with the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say, here's how you fight it. It says, do the opposite. How do you overcome fear? Not by fighting fear, by walking in the perfect love of God. Because God's perfect love casts out fear. So if we put too much focus on the temptation... Part of this verse is saying, don't focus on the things that's tempting you. Turn and go the other way. If you're tempted, so if a temptation comes to you this week to do something that you don't want to do, run the other way. Get your Bible out. Remind yourself of what God says and just continue. I mean, don't, don't sit there and try to fight it. Don't try to come up with all the things in your head. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Because sometimes that's, that doesn't give you the freedom. The freedom comes when you pursue the Spirit of God who sets you free. And you walk in that freedom. It's not just saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that positive confession isn't somewhat helpful, but that alone isn't going to change you. Turn from it and go the other direction. And then look at this scripture, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But you are Timothy, our man of God. So run from all these evil things. And then it says this, pursue Right? So you're running from the evil and you pursue the good things, the righteous things, a godly life with faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. So I'm telling you, it's not as much about you fighting the temptation. It's about you fleeing and pursuing God. That's how you overcome it. Because we are overcomers through him. Not on our own. So always, always just run from that and pursue the right thing. Another thing we can do to avoid 
temptation is, you know, again, we got to remind ourselves to head the right direction. When I was, I was probably about, I don't know, eight years ago or something, when we first moved, I never had any allergies, never struggled with allergies at all. We moved to North Carolina. I got in the the house we're into now, about 14 years ago we moved in there, and there was a bunch of trees, I mean, just, it was just all grown up in the backyard, hardly any yard, all just trees and bushes and stuff. So I just decided, you know what, sometimes Chris can tell you, if I get in the zone, you know, instead of just trimming it, I'm going after it. So instead of cleaning out a room, I just emptied the room. You know what I mean? So I go out there, I thought, you know what, I'm cutting it all down, except the really big trees. I'm getting rid of all of it. So I started cutting and cutting. I was out there all day with a a chainsaw and a small other saw, but mostly just a powerful one. And... I cleaned everything up, you know, and I started, it took, it took days of just taking stuff to the front yard for the, for the yard waste people to come pick it up, and, and I just kept doing it. And then all of a sudden, a few nights later, I'm in bed, and I'm, I'm struggling to breathe. So I, and I didn't, because I never had allergies, I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, so Patty just thinks I'm snoring because that's the normal <laughs> sound, but I was like, no, like, I can't breathe. So um, I'm not one to just, like, take off to the doctor really fast. Um, so I just kind of like, you know, but when you're not breathing, you might want to consider getting a little bit of help. So the next day I actually went to the doctor, and, um, and I went in, and I was like, I'm, I'm having difficulty breathing. And uh, so she's listening, and I'm all, like, wheezing. And uh, so anyway, she you know, does a chest x-ray, and she does all this stuff, and she said it's some kind of induced asthma. And I'm like, I've never had that before. I've played sports. I've done, I've, I run and go crazy, and I've never had that before. She said, yeah, something triggered something, but it's like an asthma attack type thing. So she gave me an inhaler if it ever happened again and some other stuff. And, but all of a sudden, it's like every, all, I mean, it just kept happening, different things. Not as much breathing all the time, but then, you know, the nose running, puffy eyes, just miserable. And it was happening all the time. And I'd mow the grass, and <laughs> you'd have thought, what happened to him? He's got to have a boxing ring all swollen. Hey, what's up? Waving to the neighbor. And uh, so finally I thought, you know what? Some kind of allergy thing. So they recommend I go get to an allerg- allergy doctor, whatever they call them. And uh, so I went. And if you've ever had that done, at least this is how it happened for me, they talk to you a little bit, and um, then you have to blow into this pipe and keep this red ball up in the air to see how your lungs do. And I, I think they gave me a heavier ball because it was a little bit tougher. So then uh, you lay down on this thing, and they actually stick you, like, with every potential thing you're allergic to. Like these needles, they just stick you. Like, I mean, it's... They might as well just lay you on a bed of nails because that, that's how many nails or, or things they stick you. So what happens is they, the, the nurse just sits there and she's talking to me. So, so how you been? How you doing? As she's stabbing me in the back with hundreds of needles. I don't know how many, but it felt like 100. So anyway, after she finished, she said the doctor will come in in about 15 minutes. It usually takes about 15 minutes to really get a good idea of what's going on. I was like, okay. So I'm just laying there. And uh, it's only been like four or five minutes. And the doctor walks by and then stops and comes back. Says, how long have you been laying there? 
I said, just a couple minutes. He said, I don't think we need to wait anymore. And I was like, he's like, do you have a phone? I'm like, please tell me you're not calling 911. Like, what do you mean? Do I have a phone? Why are you asking for my phone? Anyway, he's like, I want to take a picture of this. And he took a picture of my back. And it's welts all over. And he's like, you're allergic to just about everything. You're allergic to dust and dogs and roaches and bugs. I'm like, why are you testing me for roaches? Like, I don't ever plan on being around them. Patty, we got to get rid of the roaches. I'm allergic. I'm like, what? But everything, you know, every kind of tree, grass. So he said, so after he talks to me, he moves me, he takes me into his office. He says, there's three ways for you to, to get some relief. He said, the one way they recommend is you can do shots, you know, and you can come into the office every week, just drive into the office, and they just give you a shot every week. And I thought, I got to drive here every week? And they're like, well, that I mean, it would help. Another option is we can give you um, this, this uh, prescription. You just take a pill every day, and it'll help, and then you have a, a nasal spray, and uh, you do that. And he's like, the third option, and again, the first one's the best, second one's Better, third one is, you know, the only thing that can help you if you don't want those, and that is avoid everything that you're allergic to. I said, where would I go? I'm allergic to everything. I mean, what's the word, what do you want me to go? Like, I can't even live in a shed. I mean, the shed has dust. I mean, so obviously that's not going to work. So there's some things when it talks about avoiding and running from it that you can't avoid every temptation. So you have to figure out, okay, if I can't avoid it, then how do I do it? So for me, I knew I can't avoid all that stuff. So what do I need to do? And so, so I went with the second one, you know, just a little nasal spray and whatever, and, and, and it's worked. And I have even, didn't even stay fully on schedule, haven't taken it in a while, but I've been doing good. So, um, but I, I had to do something because I know avoiding it isn't the thing. So when I say avoid and run from it, I am aware that you can't always avoid temptation. If it's at your job, you know, if, if it's from people that you're around, I understand you can't always avoid it. So what are some other ways? Well, one is you can pray. Praying connects you to the Father as your source of help. Matthew 26, verse 41, this is what Jesus says to, his, uh, to Peter and the guys when they were supposed to be praying and they fell asleep. He says, keep watch and pray, and then he says this, so that you will not give in to temptation. In other words, he was telling them, keep watch and pray, because that's how you're going to be able to stand against temptation. Because he knew what was coming for those guys, and guess what? They, they all deserted him. When it was all said and done, the disciples deserted him. Peter denied him. But instead of praying, they slept. Would it be different if they prayed? We don't know. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, keep watch and pray. Your spirit's willing. The flesh is weak. So if you're going to overcome temptation, you have to pray. That's how you're going to do it. And then uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weakness because he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Then it says this about for us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That's us as believers. Let's come to God 
through prayer. Let's come to God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. In those places where you need grace and you need strength and you need hope, you go to God. And that's where you're going to find what you need. Because Jesus has been through it. He was tempted, yet he didn't sin. So if you want to know how to overcome something, find someone who's overcame it. They can help you. Jesus overcame. He didn't give in. So he's our example. Get in the word. We got to stay grounded in the word. There's, there's, there's power in the word of God. Luke 8 verse 13 talks about the seed that falls on the rocky soil. And it says, those who hear the message and receive it, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, but they fall away when they face temptation. So part of the reason why sometimes even as believers, you have believers that are on this path really trying to do good, but then temptation comes and they fall is because here's the thing. If your only source of nourishment and, and spiritual food comes on Sunday morning, your roots aren't going to be able to go deep. You have to dig in. You have to have a continual time that you're getting in the word, you know, and hearing the word. Play, I mean, get the word. I mean, nowadays you can play it on your phone. You can just go to the Bible app and, and hit it, and it'll, it'll read it for you. I mean, how much easier do you want it? You just sit down and say, hey, Siri, read John 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word, you know, whatever. Just, just get in the word. Because the word is a source of strength to you. Look at Psalms 119 verse 9. I, I remember when the Lord showed me this verse. I was youth pastoring. And this verse stood out to me because it was a time when, and listen, just hear my heart, okay? Y'all know me, right? I'm, I'm a little different and you guys know that. But it was one of those times where I just felt in my heart I didn't want to have a True Love Waits campaign and, a, and this whole thing. Not that nothing's wrong with it. But I thought, Lord, sometimes you just talk about all this stuff and sometimes it puts more thoughts in teenagers' minds than what was already there. And sometimes in those times, um, there were more things happening in those times than in other times. And I'm trying to, you read through the lines, there's kids in here, so I'm trying to be sensitive. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, if you don't ask me afterwards, I'll tell you. But anyway, there was this temptation that these young people face. And, and uh, we're talking about trying to how to remain pure and, and talking about that. And it was one of those things where, again, if we talk about all the things that we shouldn't do, and that's what we focus everything on, then what we're doing is giving a lot of thought to the stuff we shouldn't do. What we're feeding on is the stuff we shouldn't do. Don't do this and don't do this. You know, instead do this, but just don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And some of those were geared towards saying what to do. But there were some, there were some people that, that kept saying, you need, to, you need to talk about this and you need to talk about this. So one day I, I told the parents, we had a parents meeting in the youth ministry I was leading, and the question came up, how are you going to talk about sexual purity? How are you going to talk about purity? Because you need to tell them that they need to and they shouldn't be and they shouldn't be. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to feed them with the word. Because here's what the Bible says. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. By living by your word. I'm going to tell you if you, want, if you want your children to grow up in the things of God, and when I talk about purity, I'm talking about even people that messed up in their life can be made pure again because of the power of God. 
It's not a condemning message. But, we, but again, we decided to spend more time not telling people what not to do and spending more time telling them what to do. And by filling them with what the Scripture says about fleeing temptation and not giving in to things and, 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 and seek God and pray, then we find ourselves being more productive at life-changing things than just sitting there telling people what, to, what not to do. You know, if your kids are little, if you want them to do something, what do you do? You tell them not to. Do you ever play that game with your kids? Don't you eat those green beans, boy. Don't you do it. What do they do? I did it. I did it to my kids all the time. I knew they weren't going to eat it. I was like, man, don't you do that. I even did it for my own personal gain sometimes. Don't you go get dad something to drink. Don't you do it. Crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. It's, it's in, in little kids especially. There's times where when you're saying don't, you're putting a thought in their mind to do something they weren't even thinking about. And that's why you got to be careful to, to hear the word, get in the word, and hear what we need to be doing. God gives us the pathway to life, and he shows us that we can follow that. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So here's Jesus facing temptation. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Anybody ever fasted 40 days and 40 nights? Listen, I'm, I mean, I, I fast between meals and snacks, but that's not, I'm just kidding, that's not a fast. We're going to talk about fasting probably, I think, next week. But, um, but there, is, there is this thing. So here's Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And then it says, during that time of fasting, the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him no. Then what did he say? The scripture says. So he started speaking the word. The scripture said people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple. said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says, because see here, the enemy tried to twist the scripture against Jesus. And Jesus said, oh, oh, wait, let me just put that in context for you, because the scripture also says, then he adds to it, and he quotes the scripture, you must not test the Lord your God. The next day, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So here again, you have the scripture being very clear. And Jesus uses the scripture to, to overcome the temptation that was coming against him. So when we talk about hearing the word and staying grounded in the word, there is a point that as you're in the word, you will begin to speak it out. You will know what's being said, and you will actually speak out the word. There are times where you need to open your mouth and speak out the word. And just speak it. Now, here's, this is why you have to get in the word. I think it's in Hosea where it says people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. 
You can't stand on something that you're not aware of. You can't speak something that you've never heard or seen. So the way that we know what to say is to be something that either the Spirit miraculously gives it to you, but at the same time, there's a lot of times that the Spirit will bring to remembrance something that you've already read. And I can't tell you how many times I've read something or done something and, and, uh, or studied something, and it was later down the road, several weeks and months down the road, when I'm faced with a situation and this Scripture comes up. And I was like, I remember that. And I'm able to say that. I'm able to speak that out. And there is something very powerful about your words and the words of God. When you speak the word of God, you speak it with authority. We talked about that last week. And you speak with power to overcome. So the way we walk this thing out with temptation is we pray. We get in the word and we speak out what the word says. When the enemy tries to get us to do something, we speak the word. We speak the word. Oh, you're not going to make it. You can't do that. Excuse me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're not going to have, you're not going to make it. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. According to his riches. I'm good. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Now, I still have three more things that are going to help us. But you know what? I'm not going to rush it. We're already, we're going we're gonna to do part two next week. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those first three, and I want you to think about them. I want you to pray about it. I want you to meditate on them this week. And then we'll go through some other things that the Scripture says about overcoming temptation. But it needs to be something that you recognize and understand. You know what? If I'm going to walk through temptation, i got to realize, one, it's not from God. Two, it's my desires that entice me sometimes. And i got to be careful when I have that desire that I don't act on it and give birth to sin. Because those results aren't good. But then I know that, you know what, as much as I can do, I'm going to run from those times when the enemy brings something up. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do and recognize the words of Jesus when he said, listen, pray so you don't fall into temptation. And the problem is, and I'll say this carefully, but I'm not judging anyone, but I'm saying typically what happens is we pray when we're in temptation. And Jesus is saying, pray so you don't fall into temptation. In other words, when temptation comes, you're already so built up that it's not even taking an effect on you. And that's why sometimes we wait and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation and then we pray. And you could have been praying this whole time. And, and, and if you would have been praying weeks and weeks before this moment, you would have been so built up that this moment wouldn't have shaken you like it did. It wouldn't have re- you wouldn't have even been tempted to respond the way you did because there's so much stuff in you. And I guarantee you, I gu- it's very difficult for you to, to, to walk a, a wrong path if you're praying in your word consistently, seeking God and just putting yourself before the Lord. It's very difficult to do that on a consistent basis and still veer off on these things. Because just like a lot of stuff, when you find something that's really good, you want to stay there. And there's no way you can connect with God and not see how good he is.
and not see how loving he is and how kind he is. That you would never want to run from him. To know all that he's done for you and all he has in store for you. It, it, I'm telling you, if you'll start praying and getting in your word, even before there's a temptation, you'll be so much, so much more strong in him when those temptations come. Because they'll, they'll come. And, and again, just remember, Satan used the word even against Jesus. And he'll try to use it against you. He'll try to, you, he'll try to get you to compromise or question the word of God. Oh, that's not for you. He'll try to do that. For those who are set free today, listen, he's going to try to tell you you're not really free. He's going to try to convince you that you still got a problem. See, recognize that as the enemy. That's what, the, remember the serpent in the garden? What did he say to Eve? Did God really say? That's what he started with. Did God really say? In other words, I don't know if that's quite what God said. Question what God said is what the enemy was doing. Question what God said. Question what God said. So to me today, listen, don't question what God says. You get in your word, you believe it, you stand on it, and you'll find that you will walk in so much more freedom, and you will walk as an overcomer, and you'll walk victorious.